Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Tonight, grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to, uh, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want you to look up here on the screen and tell me what kind of creature this is. Can y'all see that? What is that thing? What kind of snapping turtle? An alligator snapping turtle. That's what some people call it, but I call that animal temptation in a half shell. That's what that is, okay? And you say, what can be tempting about that? That thing is ugly. I don't know if you should call any of God's creatures ugly, but... If you can, that one would might win first place, right? In the ugly contest, all right? It fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch, I'm telling you. But here's the thing. God gave that ugly creature the ability to, to hide, and then he has a built-in lure on his tongue. Check out this tongue. Y'all see that? That's, that is the, that's the, the alligator stepping turtle's mouth. It's wide open there, and you can see its kind of beak or whatever you call that on a turtle. And then that thing right there, what does that look like? It looks like a worm. That is on that turtle's tongue, right? He'll lay down at the bottom of a river or a bayou way down there in Louisiana and wiggle that little worm around, make it look like there's a worm in there, wiggle that thing on his tongue back and forth until some unsuspecting fish swims along and is tempted to bite. And when that fish goes to gobble up the bait, the turtle gobbles up the fish. Like I said, that is temptation in a half shell. Tonight we're going to wrap up our series uh, called Chain Breaker, and we're going to deal tonight with the topic of temptation. Um, what do you think, people, when you think about temptation, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about other people, as always, what do you think people's top temptations are? What do you think the things that tempt people most What's that? Food, yeah. Money, I heard money. What else you think? Women. Yep, sex in general. Shades of the truth. Well, a survey of 3,000 U.S. adults, they identified what their biggest temptation was, and for men, 50% of the men who were surveyed in that said that sex is their biggest temptation. Uh, their second one was food, third was money, fourth was alcohol, and fifth was power um, along those lines there. And you know what? It really wasn't that much different from women, all right? Um, for women, food was most tempting. Sex was second most tempting, though. Money, power, and then alcohol, lastly. But tonight, guys, we're going to seek to break the chains of temptation. So grab your copy of God's Word, and we're going to go to the temptation of all temptations here with the temptation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, here in uh, Luke 13. Luke, uh, gosh, I'm all over the place. Luke 4, 1 through 13. All right, Luke 4, 1 through 13. So God's word says this. Anybody want to read that loudly and proudly for us tonight? Luke 4, 1 through 13. And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was 
led by the spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get behind me. Say, For it is written, You shall not... You shall worship the Lord your God, and in him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall not give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended, Ended every temptation. Had ended every temptation. He departed from the opportunity. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank we thank you, God, that you did not hide this moment from us when Jesus Himself, Father, was tempted. Now we know in Scripture, God, that Jesus never sinned. And so tonight as we look at this, may we just get the foundational point here is that it is not sinful to be tempted. It's part of living in this fallen world. But God, as our Savior had victory over temptation, God, may we have victory as well. And I pray that you would help us to do that, equip us to do that tonight. Father, where we have been tempted and failed, and God, that's a lot of times on my sheet, um, I just claim the blood of Jesus. I thank you for a Savior that never sinned, who has won my righteousness and earned my righteousness uh, and, and my place in heaven. And so I rest in Jesus tonight, God. But I don't want to fail you. When I'm tempted, I want to persevere in righteousness. So help me and help my brothers and sisters tonight to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, as we equip you to break the chains of temptation tonight, first the thing, first sort of category here to think through is that you and I need to understand the nature of temptation. And there's just a lot in here. As, again, the more I got into this text, just the more I saw, and I, I only put 10 down here, but I could have put more, I believe, as I looked in this. But to understand the, tempt, uh, the nature of temptation first, temptation often, and we've got 10 of these, temptation often, number one, is greatest when you are alone. Temptation is often greatest when you are alone. Where did Jesus go to be tempted by the devil? Where did he go? Into the what? Into the desert, into the wilderness. That's right. And why would that be the proper context to be tempted? And the answer is it's because temptation is greatest when you are alone. We've all been there before when no one else is watching. And it's in those moments when we are most tempted, when the devil will tap you on the shoulder, so to speak, and point to you what you could do. And maybe you've even been there before where you found maybe some money on the ground and you're walking along and you look at it and you stop and you look around. <laughs> 
Does anybody watch and zip, put it in your pocket and go on, right? Temptation is greatest when you are alone. That's actually one of the devil's tactics. Oftentimes when we see Christians who begin to stray away, Satan in his tactics works to separate them from the other Christians, right? He wants to get us alone because there he can work us over. So temptation is often greatest when you are alone. But secondly tonight, temptation often arises when you are weak. When you're weak. Physically weak. Spiritually weak. Emotionally weak. We see this here with Jesus. I mean, I don't know. I don't even think a human being could do what he did here, right? A, a, a normal human being. Let me put it that way. Jesus fully God and fully man. So he was fully human. But nevertheless, you look here and it says he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Now, some would say, well, it doesn't say that he didn't drink anything. So maybe he drank something. I don't know. Or maybe it was a complete fast, supernatural fast that Jesus did here where he drank and ate nothing. But nevertheless, we see here at the end here that he was hungry. So he at least went 40 days without food. And he was weak. He was very, very Week. We've all been there before, haven't we? We've all been there before when physically we're worn down. And when you're worn out, what are you tempted to do oftentimes? Right? You get angry. Uh, you know, people call it not hungry, but hangry, right? When you get physically weak or emotionally, right? When you've just been worn out and, and you're just tempted really, really easily, really quickly, really strongly to, to lose your to lose your cool, or spiritually when you're weak, when you're far from God, when you've not spent that time with the Lord and you're strong in the Lord, that's when temptation comes and when temptation can have its way with you. There's an acronym that kind of floats around there, floats around, uh, fr- floats around in, in different circles. Maybe you hear it at school or in the workplace, but it's the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. T, all right? Talks about these moments when you're weak, okay? So you got to be careful when you get in these four categories. The H stands for what? Y'all know? Y'all have y'all heard of this? Hungry. hungry. That's right. The H stands for hungry. The A stands for angry. The L stands for lonely. And the T stands for tired, right? And so just think about that for a moment. Those are places that put you into physical, emotional, maybe even spiritual weakness. And so it's in those moments when you are self-aware to know, man, I am hungry, I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm tired. Think about when you're angry. Man, you can really, I mean, Satan can really use that to capitalize and ruin a lot of stuff, right? We've all seen, like we said last on Sunday about, you know, about words and using them, right? And so those moments right there, guys, are, are when we are our most weak. And so that's when temptation often arises is when you're, Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired when you are weak. But third, understand the nature of temptation is that temptation often is stimulated by doubt. Now, how does the devil here raise doubt in, the, in, in Jesus here or attempt to raise doubt? What does he do? It's one little bitty word. If. If, you know, that, 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 that must be one of Satan's favorite words. He says here, actually he says it twice here in the text. He says it in verse 3. If you are the Son of God, then do this. 
if you are the Son of God, then sin, basically. He says it again down in verse, let's see here, down in verse 9. If you are the Son of God, then do this. He said that somewhere else. Genesis chapter 3. Did he say it in verse 7 as well? There you go. If then you will worship me, it will be yours. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, when he's tempting Eve, do you remember what he said? Did God say, I don't know, he may not use the word if there, but nevertheless he raised doubt. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. Genesis 3, 1, he said to the woman, did God actually say? Now he didn't use the word if there, but he's raising doubt, right? Did, she, did, did God really say that? Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So when you think about doubt there, doubt plays a big role in temptation, right? What things do you doubt? If temptation is going to be victorious in your life, if, if, if temptation wins, what are the things that you end up doubting? Your salvation potentially? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your self-worth. The devil really doesn't care which thing you begin to doubt as long as he can raise doubt. And then he kind of, you know, it's kind of like uh, in, in wrestling or anything like that. You, 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 to get somebody to take them down, you, you first have to get them off balance. Just get them off balance a little bit where you can kind of control them then. And that's basically what the devil's trying to do here. He's trying to get Jesus off balance. That's what he tries to do with you and me. He, so, so temptation is stimulated by doubt. Number four, though, temptation often plays up on pride. And I think that's one of the things that you see here when he says, if, and then he says this, you are the son of God. I mean, Jesus, you deserve to do whatever you want to do. I mean, you have the rights and the privileges and everything that you need. You are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, you should do this. You almost hear the devil saying that. You should get to eat whenever you want to eat, and you should have all the kingdoms of the earth. Why do you not, Jesus? And again, that's the same thing the devil did with Adam and Eve. Oh, God, did he say you couldn't eat of that tree? He just doesn't want you to be like him. Right? He played upon their pride. They, they prayed upon, how dare God think less of us or whatever else there. So he's playing upon their pride. Number five, temptation often appeals to your senses. And that's one of the first things that, that, that the devil does here. Of course, we have three different temptations outright here. The first one appeals to the senses. He appeals to his hunger. Now, we have five senses. Typically, we'll say five senses. I don't know. Some people say more than that, I suppose. But it's, what are our five senses? Sight, taste, touch, hearing, smelling. That's right. So here, oftentimes, temptation appeals to one of those senses. Right? Maybe you want to, you want to feel good. Or you want to taste something good. You want to have an experience. 
You want to hear something good, all right? And so it appeals to those appetites that you and I often have. And Jesus here was very hungry, right? And so when he said, man, turn that bread to stone, and Jesus was like, ooh, <laughs> woo, you know, get some of that good, uh, like, like those uh, yeast rolls that, um, at O'Charlie's, huh? Yeah, I could do that. That'd be nice. Or some of that cheddar bake from, uh, from uh, Red Lobster. Well, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> you know, just appealing to those senses there. And again, Jesus in his weakened state. But in your life, the devil will often appeal to the sensual things in your life. You might get a thrill. Uh, uh, you might feel something exhilarating. Number six, the nature of temptation. Temptation often appeals or promises power. So that's the, that's the, that's the, the second temptation here. You see it here in, in verse, um, uh, verse five. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give you all this authority. Power. Power. Who are some of the most power-hungry people in history that you can think of? Hitler? Pol Pot? Caesar? Julius Caesar? Stalin? We're not naming good people here, are we? Alexander the Great. Charlemagne? Did I hear Charlemagne? Genghis Khan. I mean, we're, we're naming all these folks. That did a lot of bad things to get power. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's very similar. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So people want control of others. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you come here and you, and you see that, that, that promise of power here, that's very tempting, right? Because we do like to be in control. We do like to be in charge. We like the one who, to be the one that bosses other people around. So temptation often promises power. But number seven, it also often offers prestige, fame, glory. That's what the devil told him. He said, I'll, I'll, only, I'll, I'll not only give you authority, I'll give you glory. The world will think highly of you. People will bow at your feet. You think about all the, the celebrities, and this is usually where we see it, but it's elsewhere too, but it's just, it, it's just more apparent with celebrities. How many have sold themselves to become popular? You know, I think about like Katy Perry, for instance, you know, who used to be a Christian artist. And then all, now, I mean, it, it, she will do anything, anything. At what, it doesn't matter. She will do it you know, to get attention. And she's done that all of her career. Even from the very beginning when she really broke out with that song, I Kissed a Girl, and I liked it, or I think it was how it went. You know? And so just things like that, that just constantly to push that envelope to get attention from people. And so that, 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 that offer of prestige is there. People will do anything to be famous. Right? People will do anything to be liked. So maybe it's not fame for us. It's simply people liking us. We want to be liked. And so that temptation there is very real. Number eight, temptation often pretends that nobody will get hurt. That nobody will get hurt. This goes to the third temptation here. 
the devil takes Jesus up to Jerusalem and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. And I don't know how high that was, but it was high. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And that's really the nature of temptation. This won't hurt you. This, this will be good. You'll enjoy this. Just like that alligator snapping turtle who has that worm tongue. The little fish says, oh, food. It looks great. It's pink. It's luscious and sweet and juicy. And next thing you know, death, right? And that's what would have happened to Jesus, right? He'd have been tempted basically to commit suicide here. We know this from the book of James where James in particular talks about how death, the deception of temptation, leads to death. James 1, 13 through 15 says, Let no one who is tempted, or when he is tempted, say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured. That's a fishing term, right? When he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Just like on that lure, that, 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 that hook with that worm on it, hides the hook, but once on there, it's caught. And so temptation pretends like nobody will get hurt, but we know sin will kill you. I mean, seriously, it will, it will kill you. It will kill you. Number nine, temptation often presumes on God's mercy. Again, that goes along with the third temptation here. Don't worry about it. God will catch you. Now, for us, it's often this. Don't worry about it. God will forgive you. I mean, come on. It's no big deal. God will look over this. You can always ask for forgiveness. I remember one of my football teammates in college who was a drunkard. I mean, he drunk almost every weekend. I said, man, how can you do that? He said, God will forgive me when I go to church on Sunday. That was, his, that was his thinking, right? He was presuming on the grace and on the mercy of God. I wonder if Ananias and Sapphira, I wonder if they presumed on the grace of God. Oh, it's no big deal. God won't mind if we lie to the apostles and lie to the Holy Spirit about this money here. They presumed on the, on the mercy of God, but God in that moment did not give them mercy. And oftentimes, guys, in that temptation, God doesn't. God doesn't give us mercy sometimes. He doesn't have to give us mercy. Sometimes we get justice instead of mercy. But temptation often presumes on God's mercy and then finally, number 10 here, temptation often, we understand the nature of temptation. Temptation often twists the word of God. Now the devil here is quoting scripture. He's quoting scripture. He's quoting Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. Is he quoting it rightly? He is, as best I can tell. Psalm 91, verse 11, 12. You, you, guys, you guys stay in Matthew, or they're in Luke 4, where, where, where the devil's quoting this. I'm going to read to you Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, and see if he, if he quotes it rightly. Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. 
on their hands. They will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Was there anything really different between those two, what the devil said and what Psalm 91 says? What's that? Okay. So, but yeah, same basic gist there. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. The devil here is twisting Scripture, right? He's, he's quoting Scripture. He's quoting Scripture correctly. But the most important question is, is he applying it rightly? And he's not, right? He's taking it out of context. That's what he's doing. He's taking it out of context. It wasn't meant for you to, well, that means I can jump off the bridge. That's not what it means. I can jump off the, the top of this building, and God will catch me before I hit the ground. It's taking the scripture out of context. And a text without context, as the old saying goes, is a pretext, okay? So oftentimes, temptation uses the word of God against you. Just be careful of that, especially heresies, right? Those of us who, who may be tempted into heresies, I mean, I've met a lot of heretics in my day. I mean, true heretics in my days. And oftentimes they use Scripture. They can quote Scripture better than me, right? They don't use it rightly. They don't rightly divide the Word of God, okay? So that is the nature of temptation that we see here in Luke chapter 4. Let's turn our attention now to, to the second part, the second half here. As we break the chains of temptation, we not only need to understand the nature of temptation, but we also need to understand how to have victory over temptation, right? We want to break temptation's chains. So let me point you to, to 10 things here. Now, some of these are not in the text because in one sense, this is a special case. And I'll point out to you where this is a special case, okay? So number one, if you're going to have victory over temptation, then you need to expect temptation to come. Don't be surprised by it. To live in a fallen world is to be tempted. And Jesus, that was no difference for him. As holy as he was, he was trice holy, right? Holy, 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 yes. Nevertheless, he was tempted here, truly tempted. So you and I need to expect temptation to come. That means we need to have a plan. We need to be ready. Temptation should not take us necessarily by surprise. Now, I say that, and I get it. Sometimes in the moment, we weren't expecting to face that right in the moment, but we need to be ready when it comes, right? Like the doomsday preppers, <laughs> you know? Like the, like the folks that have been getting ready for a Hurricane Michael. You know, they've been stocking up and all that stuff, and they knew it was coming. They just didn't know exactly when it was going to hit. They thought they knew today and all that, but nevertheless, they were ready. So expect temptation to come. Number two is to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In other words, don't put yourself in that weakened state. Now, Jesus did that, didn't he? He, he intentionally did that. Why did Jesus do that? And I think the answer is because he wanted to be the perfect high priest for us. That he could be tempted to the nth degree, greater than any of us could ever be tempted, so that we could never say, well, my Savior never faced what I'm facing. Jesus took it to a level here that you and I will never face. And if he remained faithful, then by God's power, we 
can remain faithful. But we have to take care of ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, one of the things that we often neglect in our culture is sleep. Sleep is so important. You know, my, my nurse wife tells me all the time, right, about sleep, talks to me about sleep all the time. I was listening to a podcast not that long ago that was talking about the, the importance of sleep, eight hours. I mean, you hear eight hours, and that's true, you know. Just, I mean, if you don't get sleep, I mean, you will go crazy, okay? So sleep's important, eating healthy, all those things, emotionally dealing with stuff, but most importantly, spiritually, right? Stay connected to God, all right? Stay connected to God. So take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's how you have victory over temptation. Third, this one's not in the text because this is a special case, okay? But number three is get out of Dodge. In other words, run, <laughs> right? Who in the Bible ran when temptation came his way? Joseph did, right? When Potiphar's wife said, oh, baby, come here just for a little while while my husband's away, right? He said, no, and he took off running, and he ran so hard, and she had grabbed a hold of him so tightly that tore off his outer garment as he fled. She had him in that grip. But guys, that's what we've got to do. Listen, Jesus basically stood in there. And I don't know if you need me to tell you this or not. You ain't Jesus, okay? You ain't Jesus. Get out of there when temptation rises up. We are foolish if we put ourselves in the middle of temptation just to see if we can persevere. Okay? Get out of Dodge. Number four, again, this one's not in the text either, but I think this is important for you and me, is to get help from God and the people of God. In the middle of that temptation, don't try to face it alone. Now again, Jesus seems to be on his own. The angels come afterward. If you, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, the angels come afterward and minister to him. But here in the midst of this battle, he, he's all alone. But you and I, again, remember, when are, you, when are you most vulnerable? When you are what? Alone. So when you begin to feel temptation rising, you've got to have the sense, if you're going to have victory, to reach out to God and to reach out to your brothers and sisters. One of the things we have here at Eastwood, you know, is accountability groups. You know, we have men's accountability groups. And um, sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. I've been, in, I've been in accountability groups before. Not necessarily here, but men's accountability groups before where someone was in serious sin and the whole time attending accountability group, right? The accountability only works if you allow it to work for you, right? You've got to be transparent. You've got to reach out. You've got to bear your soul. You've got to lean on that person. You've got to let them hold you accountable. So get help from people and help from God. Number five, this one is in the text. How do you have victory over temptation? What did Jesus do every time the devil threw another temptation at him? What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He pulled out the Bible and was like, devil, right? Hit him with the word. 
And you and I, guys, we've got to stand on the Word of God. We've got to have the Word hidden in our heart that we might bring it to bear the sword of the Spirit to defend against temptation here. Because in the midst of temptation, you ain't thinking about truth. Your flesh is not thinking about truth. Your flesh is thinking about what? I want what I want. Right? But if we will stand on the truth of God's Word, We'll have victory over temptation. God's word is so practical for us, right? As it says, it's, it's, it's breathed out by God to make us mature in all the things that we need there to equip us. So stand on the truth of Scripture. Number six. How do we have victory over temptation? Number six is to love, to please God more than pleasing your senses. Now, this, this is direct, tied directly to, what, to Jesus' first temptation here. The devil says, If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And what was Jesus' answer? Man does not live by bread alone, but from every word coming out of God, right? He wanted to please God more than he wanted to please his senses. And you and I have got to make that claim. We've got to stake that claim, make that stand. I want to please God. I, want, I, I love to please God more than pleasing my senses. What do we call it when, what's that philosophy where you are trying to, to, to always uh, seek pleasure and get pleasure? Hedonism. Well, there's a philosophy called Christian hedonism, which, you know, John Piper, Pastor John Piper over the years have talked about a lot. And you say, that doesn't sound like that goes together, right? But Christian hedonism is God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him, right? So it's not like turning away from those senses that I'm left with something dull and boring and unsatisfying, Right? It's not that it, it's either be satisfied or get nothing. Right? If we're looking to please God more than pleasing our senses, the truth of the matter is, is that there's greater delight in God, greater satisfaction in God. When we please God, when we're satisfied in God, that's where fullness is found. And that's where Jesus was. And if you and I are going to have victory over temptation in our lives, then we've got to love to please God more than pleasing ourselves or pleasing our senses. Number seven, number seven, be wary of the shortcut. Now, did you see the shortcut in here that the devil offered him? There was a shortcut. Which temptation offered him a shortcut? The second one, you see it in the second one there? The devil said, I will give you the entire earth. Now, the truth of the matter is, it was already his. He right? God created it through him. And he's going to inherit the earth, right? It's going to be, he's going to be king of the earth. But the devil here offered him a shortcut. You can have it without going to the cross. You can have it without having to wait millennia until this whole plan works out and 
all the people that you've planned to save are saved. Right? We can just get this over with right now. Boom, it's done. Shortcut. And Jesus could have had everything, supposedly. And there are a lot of things in life, guys, where we want to shortcut to get what we want without having to go through it. Can you all think of any examples of that? You know, I can think of one lady that likely burn up her liver, I think it was, or maybe, I guess it was her liver, you know, taking, overdosing on diet pills. She wanted to be thin, but she wanted to do it the shortcut way, right? And so there's all sorts of things in life like that where we try to take the shortcut, but in the end, the shortcut leads to destruction, okay? Debt, yeah, debt's one of them, absolutely. Yeah, Gene? The lottery, yeah, there you go, there's one. That's a shortcut, Absolutely. So all those things, be, be really careful, right? The shortcut, again, hey, sometimes shortcuts are good, right? If we don't have to go the long way, let's don't go the long way. But be wary of them. Oftentimes the shortcut leads to destruction. It's the path of destruction. Number eight, if you're going to have victory over temptation, you need to be, uh, or you need to see through the deception. And that's the thing that, that I appreciated so much about Jesus all throughout this, is that every time the devil threw deception at him, He saw through it. He saw it for what it was. You and I have to be discerning. We have to grow and and, and know the Word of God. We've got to see through the deception. And sometimes that just takes life experience, right? Some stupid tax to where we say, no, I've been there and done that. I will never go there again. And maybe, maybe you've been there and you've done that and you say, yeah, I'm never going back. But nevertheless, we need to see through the deception, right? We need to see wait a minute, that, that, that worm looks like it has a shell behind it. And there, is that a mouth that's between that? You know, we need to see the deception behind it. You know, I was reminded as I was thinking on this right here of Proverbs chapter 5, when we think about, you know, the greatest temptation for men, as, as, as we said here, according to that survey, was sex, was sexual temptation, Listen to Proverbs 5, 1 through 6. Proverbs 5, 1 through 6 says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. Oh, she's sweet She smells good. All those things. She looks good. She sounds good. Verse 4, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. We've got to see through the deception. See it for what it is, guys. And always, 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 that temptation and any pleasure, because let's just be honest, sometimes sin is pleasurable for a moment. But it always pales in comparison to the joy that's found in God. So don't settle for less. See through the deception, because again, death waits on the other side. 
Number nine, if you're going to have victory over temptation, number nine, just refuse to put God to the test. You know, refuse to put God to the test. Jesus himself was tested here, right? Just jump off. God will catch you. And Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Now, there are moments in Scripture where God says, try me and see, right? But that's within the will of God, right? When, when, when God's inviting you, you don't do something silly or something crazy, you know, and tempt God in that way. Maybe you're a, dare, maybe you're a daredevil. See, the thing is, you know, my wife, my wife and kids really like to make fun of me. In fact, on vacation, they're at the Sergeant, what's it, Sergeant York? Sergeant York Bridge, you know, going over there. Okay, we're, we're crossing Wolf River in northern Tennessee there. And there's a swinging bridge. And you're way up there. I mean, I mean, like up on the ceiling here, up on that high over the river, at least. And so my kids wait till I go out. And then Christy's being the little ringleader, and she's out there jumping up and down on it and <laughs> all this stuff. And I'm, I'm telling you right here, I don't care, right? <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I just live by this verse. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. If you don't have to get up in heights, don't get up in heights, right? But guys, again, just be careful. Don't, don't, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't presume. Again, going back to what I said earlier, don't presume on the mercy of God. Don't presume on the mercy of God. Think that you can just do whatever you want to do, and God will clean up your mess. And finally, number 10, understand how to have victory over temptation. Number 10 is know that temptation will soon pass. It's going to pass. If you can just hold out long enough, it will pass. You really want to gossip, but just hold it in. Don't say it. And that temptation will soon pass. I promise. And that's what we see here with Jesus here. Verse 12 or verse 13 and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, it doesn't say that it'll go away forever, right? The tempter will come back. But nevertheless, the temptation will soon pass. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, one of the most important passages on temptation itself, says that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I say to you tonight, church, in your temptation, you can endure it. God has promised to help you endure it. God has promised to give you an out where you can stand if you'll only reach for it. You will not be tempted beyond your ability. But what if we fall into temptation? What do we do? If you fail, if you are tempted, you fall in temptation, the only answer is to repent, to seek the grace of God, and then to get back up and go sin no more. God doesn't cast you away. When you fail, it's like riding a horse, right? Get thrown off the horse, what do you do? You get back on. You never stop quitting sinning, okay? Every time is your opportunity again 
to go and sin no more. Again, yes, have brokenness in your heart and grieve over your sin. But seek the grace of God. Ask for his forgiveness. Receive that forgiveness. And then go and sin no more. Well, my final prayer tonight. Here it is. May we stand strong by the strong grace of God when temptation comes strong. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.